When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game, with me, Russell Guyver, and my usual co-host, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hello, Russ. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, we are speaking on the 30th of December, having had two football matches to talk about. First of all, we had the Charlton game, uh, for which we all gather around your house pre-match. A little bit of audio from that and from the match to start off with to get the flavour of what ended up being a rather disappointing result uh, in your first uh, first ever Albion game during your time living in Charlton. Um, not not the most uh, easy trip off the tongue uh, stat, that one, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, um, it didn't end as we would have liked, unfortunately. Um, we're going to hear a bit of audio from that, and then we're going to come back together uh, for this chat to talk about Saints, which is a game I wasn't at, but which you were. So, first of all, this is us from Charlton. Hello, hello, hello. The latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast at Peter's house. Say hello, everyone. Pre-match, Charlton, it could be a whole different story afterwards, couldn't it? Anyway, Peter, Peter, thanks for inviting us all round. Well, you know. Um, 8,000 people here today. Uh, (laughs) I think think about in the future, 25,000 or so they were there. (laughs) Uh, Thoughts on uh, the the World Cup and tonight's game? Uh, Main thought on tonight's game is Charlton fans keep telling us how dreadful they are, so we're probably going to lose. Oh, everything's against us. A new manager. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, the new manager hasn't come in properly yet, has he? But certainly, just in, in terms of like, yeah, whenever any team's pessimistic like this, we always manage to screw it up somehow. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Well, let's, uh, World Cup. Yeah, great to see McAllister win. Let's quickly go around the houses. Say hello. I know you don't like saying anything on the podcast, but say hello, David. Hello, David. <laughs> classic. Classic. That's Peter's dad. Janet, who was on the po- the very last podcast we had, Janet. Hello, everyone. Are you enjoying yourself? Indeed, yes. Thoughts tonight? Are we going to win? Oh, well, I think we're all set up for a, a, you know, a heroic failure, aren't we? A new manager. <laughs> Everyone's so positive tonight. We've seen so many. You're on the half, Chris. Are you, are, you, are you as positive? I'm confident. I was here for the 4-0 win. Our greatest performance ever, oh, according oh, to Poirier. And all that. Yeah. yeah. It was great, wasn't it? Definitely up for that. Definitely up for that. Quickly over to this side. We've got Andy, a.k.a. Wedge, and his son, Courtney. Quick word from you guys. Well, I'd just like to say, rather than talking about the game, it's the first time I've got to meet Peter from the pod. Really? And I've got a little bit of feedback about what I think about Peter from the pod. <laughs> so have you got two minutes while uh, I yeah. do that? Yeah, go ahead. Well, my feedback about Peter, I mean, listen to him on the pod, he's precise, <laughs> he's concise, he sees things that a lot of fans wouldn't see, Yeah. he's tactically knowledgeable, he's eloquent, his diction is very clear. He's passionate. His he head's going to swell now. He never gets too excited or never too low, depending yeah. on what happens. Yeah. He's got good historical knowledge. He can engage people at all levels. He asks the right questions. Yeah. He always answers a question head on. Yeah. He links topics well. Yeah. He uses humour well. He weaves in a bit of drama and a bit of irony. He's a genuine fan of the beautiful game. Now, that's my feedback about Peter. And I've quickly got my feedback about Russell. 
Here comes the here comes the payoff gag. Go on. <laughs> Drivel. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers. I, got, I know I can rely on you. Courtney, would you like would you like to add to that? Please don't add to that in particular. It's tough to follow on from that, really. Just something about the game. It's an absolute essay, that one. But, uh, something about the game. Anything <laughs> other than that. It's going to be a comfortable Brighton win into the quarterfinals. Nothing yeah. more to say. I'm going 3-1. Uh, yeah, 3-1. One. 3-1. Three, one. Three, one. Three, one. Three, one. Alan, friend of the show, Alan. 3-1, uh, no, 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 are you going 3-1? That sounds quite good. I don't think we can see the goals, to be honest with you. 3-0, maybe 4-0. But yeah, no, I'm really happy because uh, I finished kind of, I've really worked hard this morning got cleared on my work yeah. put my out of office and my email and uh, now I've finished four days ago yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of finished at lunchtime got to here and now I'm got two weeks off but I've been really really looking forward to getting back to this uh, and we've got a night. short walk to the ground from Peter's house amazing you short about eight minutes and a lot of ticket shenanigans we have all pretty much got our tickets so hopefully all good having done all that we don't want to miss the game so we'll probably have to cut that off now but Alan it's been a pleasure and we've, we've enjoyed it haven't we at Peter Towers your first visit lovely yeah, no, it's I, I, great well, I'm, I'm really pleased to see the Duke the dog yeah yeah you know, legend you know, you know I like a good dog I would say the man the legend but he's not really a man is he <laughs> no he's a, he's a lovely little dog so. you like a bit of dogging do you oh, yeah, I love it love it yeah. Yeah. well with that we'll we'll transfer ourselves to the ground for the yeah. next section. <laughs> You've arrived at last. A bit of ticketing issues, just finding your way in. Yes. But there's people outside in major numbers, still queuing up, isn't there? Still queuing up. And there's a big, there's a big cluster to the right, which appears to be where people should be and aren't. Yes. Several, several hundred people still not in, and we're only five minutes away from kickoff. Some shocking logistics here. Yes. Who, who, who knows what? It's evolved, but shocking, isn't it? Shocking. Shocking, yeah. Not it's in this day and age of football. Exactly. And as we speak, over to our left in the upper stand, away to our left, normally a home end, is Roberto De Zerbi play. We're quite no well good. We won the World Cup. We won the World Cup. We won the World Cup. We're quite no well good. We won the World Cup. We sound like, we sound like West Ham United in 66. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except this time we And there was three of them, I guess. the exciting first I'm going for the exciting first half. Ian's going for a sausage roll. That could be the title, that could be the title of your podcast. Ian's <laughs> going for a sausage roll. I, I would strongly recommend you don't do that, by the way. Ian hasn't got enough money he for a sausage enough. roll. <laughs> he hasn't got enough. Uh, Peter, for the first time ever, I think, during a match, we've done a match day special, you're in the row in front of us by complete chance. Yeah. Who would have thought it? Who would have? Everyone's going to be somewhere, I suppose. It's a bit of blow, obviously, for you and yeah. I both. Uh, having, yeah, having, I'd like to get away from you. Yeah, but we're, we are in close proximity, so I'll ask you, what did you think of the first half? Crap. 
It was a bit shit, wasn't it? Nil -nil. We, we offered nothing going forward. Was, the number of times we had someone free on the left and it didn't notice him, and then, yeah, the, the time went, or, or they overhit the pass, or there was no real pace to our attacks, I thought, but it was. We looked the better team without looking the better team, yeah. don't we? But in the end, actually, Charlton had a couple of chances at the end. So yeah. actually looked the more dangerous the last 10 minutes or so. But the most dangerous chance of all, Lalana. Yeah. Slick bit of play. What do you make of that? that really beautiful. good bit of play, yeah. Really good bit of play. I think it was a build up from Tarek Lamps as well, among two others. To get it to the point where Lalana had the shot, so yeah, like a train really good effort, didn't yeah. Clicked it onto the bar with his yeah. left foot. What's yeah, really, going on really good efforts. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, well, that was unlucky not to score. And, and obviously, if you get a goal, then then it's a different game because Salton have got to come out a bit and try and attack a bit. Whereas, yeah, they just sit in deep. They're not, no, I still wouldn't say they're the penalties, but they kind of they look like they almost would take penalties now. It, anyway. would, it would still be the same game, to be fair. Yeah, just be one nil instead of nil nil. I had to do that, sorry, sorry. No, I, no, I didn't have to, didn't but have I enjoyed to. doing it though. Yeah, yeah you yeah. wanted to. Let's correct you though. We, you can I just say, we really enjoyed the pre-match at your place. We had you, me, your your dear, dearly beloved Fiona, your parents came, David who's standing next to us and refuses to come on the podcast, and his wife Jane. Uh, we had Steve Ferris, so hello to him, and his lovely daughter Kate, who's ticking off her 10th ground, age 16 which is pretty good going and I think Steve said he was on something like 86 or something like that we're still we've got to keep ahead of him then yeah exactly we're still begrudgingly on what is it 88 oh 88 oh 88 oh, yeah. yeah 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 um, we also have Wes very upsetting. we had Courtney we had Margaret who I don't think we got on the audio and we had who else was Chris there? and Janet Chris and Janet yeah. indeed Andy and his, and his son Andy yeah we Bravery missed and Andy Bravery and his son Luke uh, we missed them on the pod but had a good chat with them as well and um, of course Bernie and the other yeah. cats and Duke yeah. who, who looked very very keen on he those sausages yeah he was very up on sausage rolls did he get any of the he did get a few sausages I think okay cool not like whole like massive ones but small ones no no that's the important information yeah. for this podcast it is did you like, get it's his fill yeah well, not his Phil. His Phil would be like having everything and probably still be like hungry. <laughs> um, on, the, on the matter of the game, loads of fans weren't here on time, definitely. You could tell. Uh, I think it looks like it's pretty full it now. It does but... seem crazy that we couldn't get tickets out for a game we knew about six weeks ago, but there's been no other games in the intervening period. Yeah, yeah. And I know it took a while for work to confirm the date, but you'd have thought that they could have got tickets out much earlier. Even with the strikes, without the strikes, you know Christmas is always a bit crap with the mail and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, to, to so, explain, I think we had some, we've got something like 6,800 here. Yeah. yeah all, all behind the goal and up the, the whole of the west upper stand to our left as they're talking. And I think I'm right in saying that about half of the tickets weren't collected yeah. pre-match. Oh, sorry, uh, before the day. They weren't delivered. Uh, bit of a shambles knowing there was a post strike it seems like some of them were sent out late yeah. I mean we, we don't know the full details however it seems to me aspersions there can be long, cast. long queue out on the ground when we got here for the to get the tickets to get into the game not even to get into the game and yeah and we were here acceptable. quite late as well with like half past we were here so. that's not acceptable is it no. is this a call for digital ticketing yeah. now, I mean, for they, away they, they've not missed an awful lot but you still rather be in the ground yeah exactly what if the only goal of the game had been in the first half? Yeah, well, exactly if it's Villa, for example. Yeah, exactly. You missed the start of the Villa game, you're really pissed off as an Albion fan. Nothing yeah. else went right after that. <laughs> Notwithstanding Martinez and his shithousing, but they were there anyway. But no, if, I, I, I think there's got to be a call for digital away ticketing. Yeah. Wouldn't that solve the issue that Paul Barber's worried about as well? To yeah. do with uh, mismanagement of ticketing, second-hand hand, hand-me-downs or whatever you want second to call it. <laughs> second-hand hand-me-downs. Yeah. It's true though, isn't it? There, there's issues. You should write to him or invite him back on the pod. I'll 
might well do that, Peter. So, predictions for this game. I'm going 2-1 now. I, mean, I said 3-1, I'm going 2-1. I said pre-match, I was concerned about the fact Cheltenham are on dreadful form, are in complete chaos, and, and I'm, nothing I've seen so far makes me less happy, less relaxed about it. I've, yeah, I can see them winning on penalties. Ooh. The other two Premier League teams are winning as well, so the chances are there'll be a shot tonight, so... Yeah. I've not been that, I really hope I'm proved wrong, but yeah, we don't look like a team, we don't look that great so far, and... We look yeah. like they, you know. Despite the absence of our one and only world champion, not that's a bad number of world champions to have, but uh, could the headline be world champions knocked out at the Valley? Probably not, no. Because <laughs> Argentina aren't playing here. Yeah, that's true, that's true. And we, we uh, just to, to mention as well, I've, I mentioned to people on WhatsApp, we've, we've communicated with Camilla, the lovely Camilla, uh, girlfriend of Alexis McAllister. And uh, she said, thank you very much for your well-wishing. I was basically saying, loads of Albion fans, all the Albion fans I know are behind Argentina and Alexis. I'm looking, you know, really, really, really pleased that they won. And she said, thanks very much, thanks so much. Everyone's really enjoying themselves and they're having a great time. Yeah, I imagine it's pretty lively in Argentina at the moment. You reckon? Possibly, you know. They don't, they're not big football fans. No, they might have on one the whole, or two. They're pretty chilled about their football. One or two no. mild-mannered parties in houses. You don't really maybe. hear about, like, big, you know, rivalries in Italian, in Argentinian football, yeah. do you? Like, I mean, you're not going to get four million people yeah. on the streets with the uh, procession having to be abandoned or any of that kind of crazy stuff, are you? Yeah. No, absolutely not. <laughs> right, they're back out, Peter. Here we go. the second half. It's going to be 3-1, I'm telling you. You said 2-1 a minute ago. Yeah, I'm going back to 3-1. David, any words to say? 3-0. Oh, lovely, lovely, three level. <laughs> he's a, he's a caddy fox. <laughs> and we are just hearing, Corny, that, speaking of World Cup heroes, Mr Mitoma is coming on for the second half. Exciting. In Ciso is a bit quiet, so it makes sense to bring him on, get him back in the game. Yeah. See where he can spark. I love a bit of Mitoma, don't you? Oh, who doesn't? He's brilliant. One of the best players in the World Cup, I would say. Along with that world champion guy, I can't yeah, remember yeah. his name. Only, only behind, like, that, that, Messi, no, McAllister, not Messi, who's Messi? McAllister. McAllister. <laughs> and Wedge, quick word from you, half-time, nil-nil, load of old shite at the moment, but are we going to win this? Well, um, we need to change something. Our left side looked very weak in that half, as we got Grosser left, left back. Uh, and uh, NCSO playing in front of him, and it just didn't work at all. So right. maybe Mitoma coming in will change something. We need Gilmore to up his game a little bit. He looks a little bit lost yep. and a bit detached in there. But, yep. Yep. you know, at some point, Charlton are going to run out of energy for chasing the ball down. So it's finding our feet, isn't it? Getting knitting yeah. things together. People like Gilmore haven't played with various of these colleagues, yep. for example. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. And Mitoma, what a great... What a great tournament he had for the World Cup, by the way. Fantastic. Yeah, we just need to hang on to him. Get yeah. some goals out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. And here goes the song again. The old uh, Basuba song, which apparently we... Uh, yeah. Two we, for the price of one. Yeah, we stole it from Arsenal, didn't we? According to Arsenal. We did, yeah. <laughs> we absolutely, absolutely did. <laughs> right, here we go. Second half underway. Right here. Substitution. Lallana's off and... Uh, Gilmore's off, Estupinian is on, and I didn't see who else came on. Uh, Trossard. Trossard's on as well. And we've just seen what we thought was a goal. <laughs> it turned out it wasn't. I couldn't see it. The sightlines are not brilliant. It, no. it looked no. like Solly March was buried, didn't it? Solly March couldn't bury a bloody. Well. A body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for all the world, I thought it was going in the bottom corner. Yes. Everyone started to celebrate very quickly. 
withdrew from doing so. Yes. We can't really see. Premature celebrations all round. So is this one. Yeah. Damn it. Still nil nil. Yeah. And it's uh what about seventy five minutes in? Seventy minutes in. So Mitterman's been better, has he? Coming, well, we've been better with him coming on yes. the second half. Yes. Especially in the early stages of this half, although he was looking great. Yeah. Yeah. Solis kept it in. something. That's awesome. Go on, Dennis. Good pressing from Truss, and it's a throw into them. There's only one team coming away with three points tonight. Said Ashley Bond. <laughs> so we nearly scored there, Peter. The ball went across the goal. What the hell happened? No one, one knows. No one knows. It's literally the worst view of like a goal map <laughs> away, and I've had such QPR probably in that championship. We, we can't see the bottom third yeah. of the goal, plus some other bits where people's heads are. But there was a ball across from the left-hand side. Estepinian was there, I think. Yeah. And he, he and Matoma have looked the most likely for us to create. Yeah, something. definitely. And uh, Evan, Evan Ferguson's on. Yeah. Um, just and we're took, on the attack. It just took a touch. If we just got the touch yeah. there, we scored. We've, we've been the better side. It's not yeah. been a great game. But we've, we've a blatant penalty. Oh, yeah. Undav. That was definitely yeah. a penalty, wasn't it? And, we, and, and Solid missed contact. an absolute clear cut. I mean, yeah. he did superbly to get the chance. but yeah. So, a mixture of oh. decisions and, and clinical finishing. We should have this in the bag already. However, Mittermer is on the ball. It's a Trossard. Trossard jinx and turns. Is he going to get a shot off? No, he's got it to Lamptey. Gets it back. Oh! Again, how did that not go in? And he's given a goal kick. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, in fairness to Albion, which is the first game for a while, the referee is having an absolute, absolute stinker. He's been terrible. He's been dreadful. I mean, that's the second blatant penalty he's missed. Yeah. He yeah. let them time waste the whole half. This was on, I um, uh, couldn't see who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another Charlton player yeah. lying around on the floor. What's happened? Another Charlton player lying on the floor, injured. Yeah. Oh, just, just the, uh, the trainer and the physio. Yeah. Wanker, 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 He's been terrible. He's been dreadful. We should have we should have done better with what we've done, but we weren't given any help at all. Three or four times we've all got across yeah. the basic goal. One in the first half, two or three this half, and yeah. you wonder how. Who, who stood out for you tonight? Miss Homerton, she's come on. It's been really lively. Yeah. Stephen has come on really well recently as well. Yeah. Um, 
No one really. The defence has done okay. Generally, Un- undoubted what he usually does. He did okay. He didn't do a lot, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Still wasting time. Still no further I don't, I don't think they've got any subs left as well because they had three sets of subs this half. Yeah. So I don't think they've got any subs left. They've no. only had four, but they don't, they've done three sets. Yeah. That's the rule, isn't it? Yes, that's right. It's got to be in three. A maximum of three sequences. Yeah. yeah. They had two together and then two injuries separately. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they wouldn't. Yeah. They, so he'd have yeah. to stay yeah, on. I think you're right. If yeah. he of course he's jogging because he's fine <laughs> oh, no, it, when Richarlison looked like his leg was about to drop off and then scored <laughs> about a minute later again. I'm not going to go and complain that we were brilliant tonight but we did enough to win yeah we did we enough to win with the better team have been terrible they've, got, they've offered absolutely nothing yeah. except for a five minute fill in the end of the first half we had all the possession all the chances and they don't deserve to win but they're probably going to on penalties now because that's the way that's the way goes. That that's, yeah, a, exactly. that's what happens in football yeah. Ian, you're nodding as well. You yeah. agree with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's bound to be, isn't it? Um, and we've got the choice of penalties at the Charlton end, which we can see, but have the advantage of the fan fans, yeah. or this end, where we can't see, no. but we can celebrate more if we score. Although we might have to be told whether yeah. we score or not. We might have to see <laughs> that. We might have to see the net ripple. <laughs> <laughs> we've got. We've got to look at the players' reactions. Yeah. yeah we've got, one we can't in, see the we ball. Have no idea. No. <laughs> Yeah, but they get saved in the bottom corner where an absolute mess it. Be like Solly March all over again, <laughs> celebrating for five seconds, then it gets gone we'll in. have a better view actually, the penalty's are miles away than if they're right yeah. up front of us. Courtney, would you go along with that? We've, we've been a better side, not brilliant, but we probably deserve to win. Oh, it was dreadful. I mean, not a great game, was it? It's a few good efforts in there, some good saves by their keeper, but just constantly trying to do too much just put efforts on goal yeah. and test them there, I mean, Tross was guilty of over-elaborating doing a, a clever little backheel board to nobody but he just needed to take on the ball and do something with it exactly we're over-elaborating it's just a bit of a mess yeah. we've, not, we've not put the the effort needed at, at this level to just put a game to bed early yeah. doors and now we're faced with the lottery penalties exactly seventh in the Prem against the league one side means nothing now Exactly. I mean, and we don't have McAllister. We don't need McAllister. <laughs> we'll see. Here we go. Here's Pens. Here we go, Pens. Pascal Gross first. And he set the post. He set the post. What a disastrous start. Okay, so Pascal's missed the first one. I think it's Stockley, their striker, taking Charters first. And it is a. Yeah! Someone launched something on the pitch. Hit the other post. Someone threw something on yeah, the pitch. It's it's a, he hit the other post. So it's nil nil after one each. Someone, as Courtney said, someone threw something on the pitch. The lino noticed it, but no, nothing was done. Controversial. Oh, controversial. Okay, who's up next? Is Trossard. that Trossard? <laughs> he is known for hitting the crossbar. It's the only bit of woodwork we haven't hit so far. Crossbar. This penalty shift. Leandro. Leandro. Here he goes. Oh my God, he's hit the fucking bar. He's hit the same post as the Charlton player. This is unbelievable. It was a bit higher, but it didn't hit the crossbar. 
Peter, you're shaking your head in despair. Unbelievable. Of course he hit the woodwork. It's Trussell. Oh my God. Who's this now? The Charlton. Of course, here it is. Number eight is Jake Forstakaski. 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 He's getting booed. But he scored. He scored. Very, very quick glance at the away fans. And they looked away. No, no shit house no, really, no. Nice That's fine. Time. That's fine. Ferguson. Ferguson. Stop it. Ferguson. Taking his first penalty for the Albion at senior level. Getting a good round of applause. Good bit of uh, confidence in sparring. Number 20 out for the Albion. Number 28. Is he going to bury it or is the it going to be the bar, the bar again? The bar is unmarked. The bar is unmarked. Yes! So it's 1 1. Charlton have a penalty in hand. <laughs> oh no, Jason Still. He's going to save it. He's going to save it. Come on in. He is, isn't he? Dobson. Dobson up. Anita Dobson. Brian May's other half. <laughs> up the arse. In case you didn't guess, Jason Steele did, as I predicted, save it. So three penalties each, and it's fucking one all. Yeah, this is ridiculous, isn't it? What's this? Japan against Spain or something? Lewis Dunk. The captain. Yes! Finally ahead. Yeah. Lewis Dunn. Lewis Dunn. Captain reliable, Captain Fantastic. I mean, it was saved into the corner, but we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. He always takes them low, doesn't he, Dunk? But he always scores them. Goldie went the right way, couldn't save it. We're 2-1 up, and Charlton have this penalty in hand on the fourth round of penalties. saved another one we're still 2-1 up Brighton's fifth penalty if we score it Solly that's March. it and it's Solly Marsh but but he did score in the Millwall game in a penalty shooting let's see here we go Solly 
He's Harry Kaned it. He's Harry Kaned it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Jack. Really unbelievable? No. I was at Mark 1811. It's utterly believable. He fucking hit us in row double Z. But, but, Jason Steele's the man. Remember Newport. How many did he save? Four? Three, Three four. or four? He saved two, hasn't he? He saved two of them. Yeah. the post. If he saves this, we're through anyway, aren't we? Am I right? Yes. Yeah. And if he doesn't, we're even. That was a terrible penalty, by the way. He, he totally hurricaned it, didn't he? It's still in the stand. <laughs> Literally, it is still in the stand. I reckon this guy's going to score. Yep. Two two after five penalties. That's terrible. It's Tariq. Yeah, Superdome, Colwell, um, Steele, Mitama, uh, Mitama, Mitama, Caicedo. I don't know what he's not in pens. Who knows? He might be good. He might be good. We're about to find out to some degree as Lampy steps up. Yeah! yeah! And scores! This guy doesn't look too confident. Number two, it's Sessignon. It's Sessignon Jr. Sessignon Jr., not the Let's see what happens. I scored. Sent the goal in the wrong way. Three all. After six penalties each. Who's got work in the morning? <laughs> I've got the vets. <laughs> I don't have to go. Well, the cat does. <laughs> well, I've got to go with her. Come on! I see you. I see you. Ha ha! It won't be a half. He doesn't score this. Oh, I'm nervous at this one. He saved it. He saved it. He saved it. We're on the brink of going out of the League Cup. To Charlton. 22% possession. And they've spent half the second half cheating. Yeah. And here they are now with a penalty away from winning. He might as well have been wearing a red shirt. Ironically, he's wearing the same shirt as our goalie, but that's another matter. It's not on the fucking spot. Look at it. It's not, no, it's not on the spot. Shit, how's him still? Can't, can't see who this is. Centre back Lavelle, I think. And he scored. He scored, and we are out of the League Cup. Shocking behaviour. Shocking.
So that was us from the Charlton game. Um, the weird coincidence, you were literally directly in front of me at the match, Peter. That was that was most odd. Uh, quite yeah, disconcerting. I requested not to be. <laughs> yeah, get off anywhere except near that idiot. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> One of those things. Sorry about that. And um, yeah, your and dad got... Lane. It's entertaining, though, that we, uh, we're we talking on 30th of August and a, a few of our... 30th of December, sorry. And a few of our friends singers over London have just got their Shelton tickets in the post yes, today. Yeah, they all landed today and yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely ridiculous. And that's one of the issues to talk about, I guess. We'll come to that. Um, well, actually, let's go with that first of all, because that's obviously on, on subject, isn't it, Charlton? Um, we noticed, and I mentioned it briefly in, in the audio, that there was a big batch of seats directly to our right, which were not taken yeah. um, anywhere near kickoff. And they're all in the same area. So I wonder what to make of that in particular, because these were in the priority area, the same area where we well, actually, you did get yours, but a lot of the people were in the first tranche of yeah. tickets, didn't get their tickets. And it was actually later bookers that did for some reason, something to do with the logistics and when they sent it out. But it was, it was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? I know Paul Barber's blamed the postal strike. Um, and I know um, a certain friend of mine, is, uh, uh, who you know as well, has written a rather stinking email to him, which I'm not sure whether a reply's come back or not yet. I, I, um, the, the thing I find really odd is there was like apparently the tickets that arrived today were delivered posted on the 13th of December. That means there was a month, pretty much, from when the game was confirmed to when the Albion mm. posted out the tickets. Now, fair enough, there's been postal strikes, but they knew about that. They knew about postal being post being crap at Christmas. Surely between the two clubs, they could work something out so the tickets were sent out much earlier than the 13th of December. It just seemed yeah. illogical to me. And, that was you know, clearly too late, wasn't it? No other games except for Lampton to get them out for, particularly. It just seemed to... Yeah. Yeah, like, you can blame the post all you want, but the fact that it's like 13th December was when they were sent out shows that there was something wrong between either one of the clubs, whether Charlton didn't send them till late or whether we didn't send them until we the last minute. But either way, it was far too late to send them, given knowing that we're going to have postal strikes. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting rather concerned. I mean, everything about the club is really well run but I, in general, but I'm getting rather concerned with certain things to do with ticketing, which are really rubbing up fans the wrong way. And we're not talking about... Um, easy to wind up people. We're talking about people that, you know, are very reasonable and are now getting wound up. I'm, I'm like that a bit. You know, luckily, um, the person that ordered the tickets and our friends and family was happy to go down early and get the tickets from the, um, from the desk. And he got there early enough when it was. I was able to. Yeah, exactly. Going from work or whatever or doing something aren't able to do that. And you've got the, you obviously got the other issue with the, the, the ticketing, the way ticketing scheme and the, the cross checks and everything. Overall, this is just shambolic and far too inconvenient. Fans will stop going to games if it yeah. becomes too irritating. And then they'll only be left with those people who are misbehaviors who, yes, will quickly get banned afterwards. But nonetheless, you, you want to get the right people going yeah. along and being happy at the very least. And I don't think that's happening. And I don't think accountability is there from the Albion. They're blaming the post office. Um, and while they are partly to blame for the, for, for the, um, for the logistics being a problem, they weren't the source of the problem. And as you said, these should have been posted out sooner. And if it's, if it is something on Charlton's side and the Albion don't want to put the blame on Charlton, um, maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. But if it is Charlton's fault, at least the Albion could say, look, there was between the two clubs. Unfortunately, the logistics weren't up to scratch and we are looking at what we need to do better in the future. People would understand that in the main. There will be some moaners, but most people would be at least fairly reasonably understanding of that. But when they take no accountability for it at all and they were posted on the 13th of December, sorry, but I, if I'd known they were posted on the 13th, um, I, I would not be expecting them anyway. But yeah. we didn't know until late on 
that this was going to be a problem either. Um, no, maybe the other thing to me is that they're, they're very quick to blame fans if they don't turn up to away games. You know, like oh, I must, you know, it proves their point about. So if there are train strikes and then loads of fans don't turn up to games, they're quite happy to like prove, make use that as proof that people are, you know, using the wrong tickets and that sort of thing. When actually it's just, it just happens that there's a train strike, you know, and that sort mm. of thing. Whereas you know, so whereas they won't take any blame whatsoever themselves, and it's yeah, yeah. it's just getting a bit tiresome after a while. It's you know, it's. Yeah. It, it does feel a little bit sometimes like a, a bit of a kind of like dictatorship or something, you know, that we won't yeah. be blamed for anything. It, it's odd. They've got, they're willing to, to have dialogue with supporters in some respects. And yet it feels as if, as you said, it's a dictatorship in terms of the, the way the, the, um, the, the, the decisions are made and, yeah. and, and how they are projected and how they are seen as well. This is it. There's no further discussion. We'll, we'll talk to you and receive your questions, but we're going to give our remit on what we think is the case, and that's going to be that. And, and I and think it needs more looking people at. wear the away shirt in the home end as well at our games. It's like, you yeah. know, more and more people are wearing, like, tomorrow I'm sure there'll be some Arsenal fans in the home end, probably, although the club will try and blame supporters, it'll probably be because they've, they've registered on the, on it as members at one point and they're able to buy them on the system. So, you know, it's like, well, it's all very well to talk about us at away games, but you let the away fans into the home end, which is, you know, wrong. Yeah. People shouldn't do that. I'd rather have exactly. a half-empty home end than have, like, it full of Arsenal fans, frankly. We we had issues with Tottenham, big, big-style big issues with Tottenham over this, didn't we? I don't think Arsenal, on the whole, are as badly behaved, broadly speaking, as Spurs. I think Spurs have got a lot more Herberts than Arsenal have, personally, from my own experiences and my own um, estimations. But um, nonetheless, there will be some, some trouble with people misbehave while they're um, you know, just over-celebrating a goal Arsenal might score or something like that. Who knows? Um, I'm not going. A load of other people aren't going because at the time of the I'm up in London and I'm going north of here for, for New Year's Eve. So I, there's no way I could make it to my event um, with that kickoff time. Um, I was already in doubt anyway, really, to be honest, with a three o'clock kickoff. So there'll be a lot of people, will regulars, who won't be able to go. Um, are you going to the... You're not going to... The, you, you are going to the I'm Arsenal, going, yeah. game, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll uh, maybe yeah, have a quick word on that. Don't decide to stop working in the meantime, but yes, it sounds yeah, exactly. like it's going to be a, delight, a delightful day. It sounds like it's a hammer down match today. Oh, great, lovely, just what you need. Well, we uh, we'll talk about that one once the games happen, I guess. Um, a, another game has happened since Charlton and before that Arsenal game. Um, it was the um the, the fixture against uh, Spurs Boxing Day. Uh, sorry, not Spurs against stuff talking about Spurs earlier. It was the fixture against Saints away on Boxing Day, which unfortunately I couldn't go to again. Chris Boxing Day is a write off for me most of the time, and it was this year. Um, you did go along to that though, um, and I think you're pretty glad you did, weren't you? Tell us. Yeah, about very that. glad. Yeah, it was. Um, probably one of the more comfortable wins I can remember Albion probably one of the more comfortable away wins I can remember any team outside of top six seeing on match then it's like as well I can remember a top six, a non-top six team having against a non-top six team Southampton were frankly dreadful I mean they were they didn't turn up but that's not taken anything away from us we completely dominated the game they won a very very questionable penalty where the bye basically ran into Pascal Grush, and they yeah. had, other than that, that's not a penalty, surely. Um, it's, it's really not. <laughs> see the back. Um, yeah. yeah, I just don't see how that was a penalty. And they also, and they also had one other free, get a free kick that they just not too far away from Wall Prowse. Other than that, they didn't really create anything all game. And we, hmm. we, yeah, we had Matoma missed a, a real sitter from a header. He also had forced the keeper into a save in the first half. There was one that just went behind Solly March at the back post. We could have been five, four or five, to be honest. We probably arguably should have been. Southampton just, yeah, just said, but they were just dreadful. 
I don't really understand. Yeah, they're going to either need to do a lot in January or Jones is going to have to work some ma- absolute magic to them to stay up because they they were yeah, genuinely awful. And we were... And we also, were... yeah, and, and we were great. And Sod's Law, you just knew this is the way of football, didn't we? Um, Solly March didn't play well against Charlton. And then he, um, as I said at the time, Harry Kane's... The, um, the penalty over the bar. That's Harry Kane Mark two, not Mark one, obviously, from the World Cup. Um, and um, a lot of people online were panning him and saying, oh, they've had enough of him now. Good player in general, except in the final third. No finishing, no delivery. And largely that's true. So what does he go and do? He has a man of the match winning performance, arguably, uh, although Caicedo apparently is a, debatably could have been as well. Um, he, he sets up one goal. He causes the own goal for the second one and then scores an absolute streamer uh, for his first goal in what, two years, is it? Streamer had headed in what was a very simple header, really, should have scored. That would have been a second assist, along with a Pascal yeah. turn as well to set it up. So, uh, yes. Yeah, he did more um, Pascal turns than Pascal did. <laughs> I mean, it's just typical football, isn't it? That and it's typical Albion as well. I'm delighted for him because you know he is a confidence player quite clearly, and I think Johnny Cantor asked him that in the post-match interview, and he did say, "Yeah, he, he pretty much is." And I mean, that's got to have done your confidence and good the performance in general, not let alone the goal. He the needs end. to move forward with from that now, though, because he, yeah, I mean. Whatever, you know, there's been all sorts of sarcastic comments from people online saying, you know, March has proved people wrong. He hasn't done. He's got one goal in two years. When he was at left wing back, the lack of, uh, you know, goals wasn't such an issue. But now he's playing behind, the, you know, one of the three behind the striker generally in a 4-2-3-1. He needs to come up with more goals because Matoma scored a couple this season. Um, obviously, Trossard's got goals from that position. Grosh has got goals from the third of four. So they need, he needs to do it as well to keep up with them. Um, and yeah. it, one goal doesn't make, you know, it was a brilliant strike and it was fantastic, but he needs to carry, make, you know, use that as a kind of springboard to go and score more now, now that he's playing yeah. further forward. Um, Absolutely. Because- it's an early, early days for a, a possible new Solly. One thing to say, aim for the far post, Solly. It worked. Mm-hmm. Those low ones on the near post. It was a fantastic no. shot. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a brilliant goal, which went completely against the other two goals because they were both scrappy as anything. And I mean, what the keeper was doing for the, for Lalana's goal, I don't know. I basically just kind of went, he just kind of basically pushed it into the goal almost. And then a second one, the keeper probably should have cut it out on the defender got himself in a bit of a mess and should have been able to clear it. So yeah, it yeah. was, but for Southampton, I mean, it's a sign of probably of Southampton. I have to say though, I'm impressed. I mean, I've been really impressed with OG this year. He's done really well. That's four own <laughs> goals he's had for us this year. Leicester scored one. Chelsea, Chelsea scored two, and uh, and now um, <laughs> now Southampton have scored one. So it's like we've got four own goals this year. So yeah, yeah. can we can we sell him to Chelsea? Is that is that a thing? <laughs> they, they've actually got a feed of a hundred million pounds coming in as we speak. You know, it's like yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sure they've already got two of them. To be fair, anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's that's a point. And they've also got another of Albion's targets. We'll, we'll just quickly mention that as a as a digression. Um, people talking about how uh, they'll be fishing in different pools to us and win Stanley, not to worry too much. I think, large, broadly speaking, that might still be the case in in a lot of a lot of their targets. But this was a bit irritating, wasn't it? A twenty year old striker from Molda. That isn't their typical um, modus operandi, or it hasn't been in the past. And they've got this guy for Fana, not the Leicester defender, another one. Um, and uh, this older player. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Well, yes, he is now. Um, yes, yes, of course. Yes, he went to Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah, they got two for Fana's. If only they've got the price of one, as well. They'll have like three for Fana's. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, well, um, 
I mean, it's, it's irritating. It was, it was for um, a fee that we would have been able to afford, I think, just yeah. about. And like, it would have been one for the for the year after next type of thing on typical like Albion form. Frankly, to be honest. And then and then again, mm. of course, strikers don't exactly come here and do well, but I don't see it yeah. making it at Chelsea because people just don't come through like that and do it. Yeah. I've listened to um, my mate Josh's podcast together, Free HA, and he, he was saying um, everyone's delusional if they don't think that Chelsea are now going to be fishing in the same pool as, as the Albion. I think they will be more than they were. I do agree with that because I think their, their model is going to shift somewhat if they do stick to their guns with what they're trying to set up at the moment. But I'm not completely in agreement with him either because I think um, essentially the, the the algorithms and the, the system that's in place by all accounts, Tony Bloom and Paul Barber are the only ones that have access to the overall complete full shebang of the, this whole thing. And over time, whatever Wim Stanley's information is that he's got will become dated in terms of connected to the Albion and he will have to have formed his own data um, with whoever else he's working with um, because over time obviously new players are going to come into the equation and uh, I think the Albion's model is the key that can't be changed because that is the, the two top boys and um, and it's, it's it's Bloom's genius isn't it behind the scenes and, and also working they're looking to spend I mean they're looking to spend 105 million on Enzo Fernandez. we're not in the same pool as them you know in, in effect where we might cross over mm. is that they're promising youngsters. They might be looking at one or two more like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. They might look at, you know, bring in like the Casado and think, well, actually, maybe if we, at the five million pounds that are worth, you know, it's worth it for us. Mm. But I don't think Casado would have got a place in their team and developed the way he has if he had. No, gone this there. is it. How, how attractive for how long will it be to young players? Um, up to a point you can say, well, you, you go on loan to a Premier League team or something, but there's only so many of those you can do. Um, you yeah. can only loan one per club. From Chelsea, um, and also the championship is a different kettle of fish. And doing what we do, would they be able to do it as well? Um, I think to, to say some degree, one players one will be attracted to it. A regular at a big Premier League club by going the way he has gone, and maybe in a year's time, or or eighteen months' time, or even six months conceivably, going for quite yeah. big money when they probably have to play him and give him a chance. But then again, mm-hmm. Calvin Phillips went for big money in the summer, and he hasn't got a look at it, Man City. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Moving, moving, changing tap. Well, any other points from Southampton? First of all, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see the full game back. I, although it's available on Amazon Prime, I only watched the extended highlights. Um, it seems Solly March was the dominant force. Some people are saying Casado. Um, who would you have gone for? Do you think? Uh, I think I'd have gone for March. A few other players to know. I thought Grosh, considering again in new position, different positions to before, playing playing deeper yeah. alongside Casado was brilliant as always. He's just like so reliable wherever he plays. And I thought the left wing, we caused some absolute havoc with Matoma and Stupinil. They just couldn't deal with it. Obviously, it was Stupinil cropped for the first, for the second goal. Uh, Matoma uh, had a couple of chances of, from breaking down outside. They couldn't deal with it. And, and it's so good to have a, obviously, Solly and, and Veltman together aren't the, quick, aren't the quickest or the kind of like most direct. But, the, but both the Stupinil and, and uh, Matoma will run at you and, and use their pace. And it's, Tadamton just couldn't deal with it. They just, yeah, didn't know what to do about it. And they're just so yeah. dangerous, those two. Um, Feltman as well came back in, having not played for a few games. Either side of the World Cup was superb, as always. Um, defensively looked very strong. Will Colwell, is he going to get, you know, the permanent position now if Webster comes back, if he comes straight back in? Also, is there any chance of signing Colwell permanently? That's the, the one for yeah. me. It would be really good if we I'm, I'm, permanently. I'm, I'm... I've been impressed with him. I'd like to see him join us. That would yeah, be great. Not as part of an exchange deal for McAllister. Given the age he's at, you know, I think yeah. he's 
he looks really impressive. The interesting one yeah. for me was no Gilmore until like quite late on. I'm sure he probably mm. will start tomorrow because of the um, Casado's out, but it doesn't say an awful lot for the faith that Zerbi has in him, given, you know, kind of, I thought he did yeah. okay at Arsenal in the Cup and generally. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. yeah, that's a worry. And obviously the midfield is going to be lacking. Casado, yeah. for anyone that doesn't know, has got his fifth booking, so he's missing a game. By all accounts, it was soft, and it's not the first time this season. I think three of these yellows have been soft, to be honest, which is quite irritating, particularly with the timing it happens to have coincided with, which is Lallano's in doubt because he might have slightly injured himself celebrating one of the goals. Pesedo's out, and obviously McAllister's not back yet. Um, well certainly not. not as well, so we're, we're yeah. a little bit short on the ground. Yeah. We do need, I know there's a lot of talk about you know, it's not going to be a busy January. We do need to increase the squad a bit because we've got yeah. it's going to be a very busy second half of the season, and there's a couple of positions where we could really do with a, you know, defensively and in midfield, especially, and yeah. ideally a forward, but I don't see us signing three players in January. But we're, yeah, Possum brought us to the point where we got almost bare bones in terms of numbers. He, he, you know, it was all of like likes playing with a small squad and all that sort of thing, which is all very well if players mm-hmm. like Undav do actually do well, but Undav's done nothing again. Yeah, to the he's point been, of... he's been disappointing. Um, there's the, um, there's the Ferguson came on instead of him on, on Saturday, on Sunday, which was interesting. Yeah. And, and actually put himself about and looked really lively and blocked, blocked yeah. a couple of clearances and did pretty well generally, I thought. So the suggestion is yeah. that Ferguson's above Undav in the order, which is, I, I think it bode seems well like it. Undav. No, it doesn't, but it, it bodes well for Ferguson and he buried the yeah. penalty at Charlton. Um, yeah, I think I can see him coming into the equation here. I've just got this sense that, you know, he, he is favoured to some degree by yeah. Derby and he'll be careful with how he uses him still. But um, given our situation, personnel and Welbeck still presumably is still out. Um, which is a shame because he scored against yeah, Arsenal last time been, out. But, it's been confirmed yeah. that he and Webster uh, yeah. But he, I mean, we say, you know, he's still very young. He's only he's 18, but he's the same age, just like six months younger than Nikiso, who he seems to think is good enough to come off the bench. And he's got more experience, mm. though, playing in the UK and generally playing in the lower leagues and that sort of thing, you know, in the yeah. kind of reserve league here. He's only a year younger than Sarmien, so he's the same age as Buonanose, who seems to be being talked about as maybe coming into the first team picture straight away. So there's no reason yeah. why Ferguson shouldn't be involved. And I mean, mm. to be honest, given what we've seen so far, I find it hard to believe he could offer any less than Undev does. Yeah, I, I see us, unfortunately, for once, not being a bogey team for Arsenal. I think they're going to come out on top in this one because of the midfield issue in particular, and maybe a little bit to do with the centre-backs as well. Who knows? Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 defeat. I don't know if you've got a prediction. I'm, I'm not feeling particularly positive. Chris Susson, I noticed in the papers in the BBC today, thought we were going to win. Which is, uh, oh, right. Okay. I don't even realize how many players we have out, though. But yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I thought we were going to lose before Casado was out anyway. So I'm more relaxed about Casado missing that game. I'd rather he was available for Everton because I think we've got much more chance of winning that. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, that's it. And well, exactly. Let's hope he's back for that. Let's hope McAllister's back because the final legacy of this, this winter World Cup is, of course, McAllister's still out for now. There's rumors he might be able to sort of come back. Um, imminently, but um, it's obviously going to be too soon for the weekend match tomorrow. Um, however, just a couple of footnotes on the World Cup. We talked about it and we bitched about the, the Qatari side of things. Overall, though, there was a lot of um, good games in the tournament, none of which is to do with um, with Qatar in Fentino. It's just where the games were played, not because they were played there. Um, an insanely good final. We, we, we haven't got too much time to talk about it, but what a final that was and what a way for Nessie to clinch it. It looked like he clinched it in the absolute fairy tale yeah. style by getting a, a late winner. And then, of course, Mbappe, the new pretender to the throne, wasn't having that. He still had to nab another equaliser. 
and also grabbed the golden boot back away from Messi, which he was doing in the process. It went to pens. We always thought Argentina would win when it goes to penalties because they've got the shit house extraordinaire in their team, haven't they? He was a bit of an arsehole on the pitch, at least, isn't he, Martinez? But it gets the job done. And um, again, he didn't get booked as soon as he should have done in that final. I know on the judging by his comments, his things since then, he's a bit of an arsehole off the pitch as well, to be honest. Oh, is he? Right, yeah, yeah. And they had effigies of Mbappe and stuff like that. Oh, what's all that about? It really kind of taken the shine off it a little bit for me because I was delighted for Messi. I was delighted, obviously, for McAllister. We have a World Cup winner. Get in. Um, But it's just, there's always a bit of an edge with those guys, isn't there, as well? Um, Yeah. And, of course, we had the famous, um, I think it was an Instagram post, wasn't it, where... um, (laughs) Shall we say our new acquaintance, Camilla... uh, (laughs) I was saying, well done, proud of you, champions, all that. And there was a let's F-U-C-K reply from from her boyfriend, which apparently is authentic. It's a genuine article. But I think she was, was quite excited. It, it was mistranslated, wasn't it, I think? I think it was, yeah. I think it was probably something slightly slightly uh, different to what was interpreted there. But uh, anyway, but one other thing just to mention, or a couple of other things from the World Cup, just to quickly mention, I don't know if you heard about this, they say everyone has a mate called Dave, but did you know that the England players have a cat mate called Dave? Um, did you hear about this? They adopted yeah. a cat from their hotel who was stray, but was being fed, I think, and looked after a bit by the hotel staff, and they were wondering what was going to become of him afterwards, so they've actually adopted him, and they're having him, or they've had him brought over to England, staying in Cheshire, so he's a Cheshire cat now, uh, <laughs> I think, and um, I think it's <laughs> And on face moment there. Um, uh, but great, great little story there. Quite enjoyed that. Um, quick assessment of the tournament, though, overall as well, Peter. What did you think of it as a tournament? Not where yeah, it, was, it was, but the actual football it, side of it. It was decent. There was, it was a weird mix of some excellent games and some really dull ones. There was a lot of nil nil draws early on, but also a lot, a lot of like quite a few high scoring ones. I mean, the final, yeah. actually, we talk about it now. If France, if um, Argentina had held on at 2 0, I don't think we'd have regarded it as being an excellent final. It was like for a long no. time in that second half, it was pretty dull for half an hour or so about half. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It would have um, been an excellent performance, but it wouldn't have been an excellent half, final. First half was all right, but it wasn't amazing. It was just then that drama of Mbappe getting the goals and then the, the drama of extra time as well. There wasn't, you know, it, in a sense, it was it was the drama rather than the quality of the match that was, you know, fantastic. It wasn't necessarily yeah. the yeah the, the, the quality, but I mean yeah you can see it's so used to World Cup finals being one nil or nil nil or something like that, but you know it is kind of yeah obviously the last two have both had six goals in them which is unusual. France beat Croatia four mm. two as well. Um, I was yeah. glad France didn't win. I thought the way they the way they beat England was pretty cynical and pretty yeah pretty pretty poor form. I thought the way they beat Morocco was similar, and I thought yeah so I was quite glad that they didn't win. Griezmann was it was quite a Cynical, it's quite cynical player. Mbappe is, you know, so I was quite glad to see them not win, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah we talked about Martinez should have had yellow sooner. Same with Griezmann in the England game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also Hernandez, who should have been booked for hauling down Saka about 10 minutes yeah. before he did get booked for that penalty, which the referee yeah. somehow missed. And, and there was a clear yeah. foul on Saka before the first goal. And Kane should have got a free kick. The, the one that was, the fact that, you know, it wasn't a penalty doesn't hide the fact that Kane was clearly clipped outside the area. You know, for that one that was in the first half. So, yeah, I mean, the referee was pretty dreadful, to be honest. And the, the ref in the final was good, though, wasn't he? I thought he did pretty well. Yeah. I know just towards the end there was a couple of mistakes in there, I think. But overall, I think um, he handled it and got the balance right because yeah. uh, it's easy for that to have got a bit too edgy. Well, yeah. while we're on the topic of referees, actually, I thought 
that um, that Charlton Reverie was exactly the same as Aston Villa. Charlton was so cynical in their in their rolling around the floor and time wasting, uh, yeah. and hit, the Reverie handled it appallingly as well. He was as yeah. bad as yeah. the uh, as the Villa game. It was very similar. He was terrible. <laughs> Speaking of refs, I noticed Keith Stroud still refereeing in the Championship. How is that happening? I watched highlights of the weekend of the EFL game and. Um, he missed two blatant penalties in the same motion. Someone was blatantly pushed over. Someone else had their shirt pulled almost off their back, right in his eye line, and somehow he's unable to see that in, in one of the games. I can't remember which game it was now, but absolutely shocking, isn't it? Um, but there we go. Um, <clears throat> just on the World Cup, one other thing, you know, um, Infantino, of course, had to try and um, make everything all about him and about Qatar. And he also has now announced that there's going to be a 32-club club World Cup. Why? Because... FIFA only make their money once a year. They don't really make any money from any of their other um, subsidiary tournaments. And they wanted to make this a more money spinning. They're jealous of the Champions League. They're trying to muscle in on it. Um, it's ridiculous. It's an over-busy schedule already. The last thing we want is this. Apparently, he's talking about having three-year rotors where you have a regional tournament like the Euros. Then you have the World Cup. Then you have the club tournament. And then you go back like that. So you're having it even more often as well. How much more greed could this guy... It's something affects these guys when they get in charge, especially when they're now re-elected unopposed, where they just don't seem to have a problem with um, I mean, just I'll completely honest, turning into power-hungry idiots. Yeah, I'm not sure that's that's true. I think he was already like that, to be honest, before he was elected. Yeah, well, anything. he's definitely got worse, I think. Um, I think, Raymond, I think I'm, I'm, with, with FIFA, I go, I stick with what the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy said about anyone who wants to be ruler of the galaxy should, should by definition, not be allowed to be. And I think FIFA's the same. Anyone who anyone who actually wants to be chair of FIFA, they should be banned from any football involvement ever. Yeah. I, I was going to say, Raymond's come up with a suggestion where you could um, expand it to, if you did need to expand the tournament, by the way, the World Cup, which is, I think, as perfect as it is with 32 teams and, and the eight groups of four. Um, but he's talking about if you, if you did have to expand it, well, maybe compromise on numbers. Expand it to 40 teams, have eight groups of five, which would increase the number of group games as well as the number of countries outside of European participation. The knockout stages would still start with a round of 16. Additional sides could be added as follows. One from Southeast Asia or Oceania, one from Central Asia or Arabia, two from Africa, one from North and Central America, one from South America and two from Europe, which would get the balance right. And I, I, I suppose he's talking about just the top two from a group qualify. So they at least get to participate. Mm -hmm. You get more games if they want that. and But you would actually still have the same kind of a, a channeled format from groups onwards. Maybe that's quite a good idea. I've got Sorry? an alternative option. Why don't we just let everyone take part? All the countries <laughs> of the world. And we yep. just have a four-year tournament, and we just start it, and it's over four years. We don't worry about the club stuff, just ignore that. Have a four-year tournament, and then we start again just at the end, you know. And have yeah, like, that sounds like good. Home and away for like four years, and then uh, the winner eventually Let's is decided. I've got an alternative. Keep it as it is, because it works really well. If the tournament doesn't isn't good, it's not. It, it's because of the football, not because of the uh, structure of the tournament. To keep it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. As but you, they say. you've got to get your support from other other areas, you know, for your presidency and for your general kind of corruption. Oh, you cynic! So you know you've got you're to absolute right. cynic, Peter. You're deadly <laughs> accurate, but you're a cynic. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think yeah, it's and a cynic. I think cynic would have to be like kind of like something something that's quite controversial. I'm not sure that is in any way controversial. <laughs> I mean, there is corruption in FIFA. It's a fact. And yeah, you know, why else would you increase the size of the World Cup? 
to 48 teams. Yeah, shambles. Shambolic decisions. Um, there's been some decisions in, in the EFL, by the way, manager. I'll just quickly sum up a couple of bits. So um, I can't remember when we last mentioned, but um, um, Beal at QPR, who insisted he was going to stick for the long term um, and turned down, um, which role was it? Um, Wolves, Wolves, wasn't it? In the Premier League. But then uh, I think it was literally about four days later, he agreed to go back to Rangers, where he'd been assistant manager under Gerrard. Um, I think if you're going to make a statement like that, you, you're leaving yourself... Uh, hung out to dry, aren't you really there? But he, he left. Neil Critchley, who I quite like, has, has moved, he was at Blackpool and he's moved on a bit, bit early to move, bit of a shame, but he's moved on to QPR. No, he's Seems not a good coach. He moved from Blackpool to Villa, do you remember? He went to, he was a Villa at, so ironically, oh, yes, he, went, yeah. he went to Villa as yeah. like kind of a coach when, was it either when Bill left or, 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 oh, or that's right. Yeah. He left Blackpool for Villa, which is a bit shabby really, but, um, yeah, if you want to be a, a professional manager, a permanent manager, I don't understand why you leave a manager's role for a, Assistant manager, no. role. it's a very odd decision. Um, so now, Dean, like, I, was, I was going to say, Dean Smith has left Norwich. Um, he's been under pressure. He hasn't been getting a good deal of results right. And they're still fifth no. in the table. But I think the issue is that they're not playing well. It's looking like yeah. a downward spiral rather than upward. And, and they're miles away from the autos. Yeah, Norwich fans are used to kind of playing a certain breed of brand of football as well. And also, yeah. he went and criticised the fans, which is never a... Never no, a that good was the killer, wasn't it? Yeah. You, yeah, um, you do that, you're literally walking on, you know, kind of. And the championship is so close. I think this, the top two are about nine, ten points clear, and then the third is about like the similar sort of equivalent distance to about twentieth. Yeah. There's no, there's yeah. no gap between the the third and the twentieth. I mean, Blackburn are third, having lost twelve games already this season. Yeah, Which exactly. Crazy. Not one other managerial one, one and just to mention as well, Crawley, the crypto kings, you know, their owners are cryptocurrency, uh, whatever's. Um, <laughs> and they, they've sacked Kevin Betsy after appointing him in the summer. Wasn't working out well, to be honest. Bit of a shame. Um, they didn't get accused of being racist, by the way, which Brighton did when Chris Hutton was sacked. Although they, they clearly had been racist from there before. <laughs> yes, exactly. With the former guy. Yeah. What's his name? Um, I can't remember his name. Objectionable. Yeah. Yems, is it? Is yeah. Him, whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. Um, anyway, Betsy didn't work out fair enough. They put Lewis Price, I think his name is, in charge, and he was doing really well. So what did they do? Did they appoint him on a permanent basis? No. They appointed uh, a relative rookie in managerial stakes, Matthew Edderington, former posh player, and he got, I think you told me it was 32 days, uh, yeah. the grand total off. Well done there, Crawley. And they're they're in spiral now. They're going to go down, aren't they, I think? It was a day after they sold their top scorer to Gillingham. So, who yeah, who mean, are even lower in the table now. Obviously, they, <laughs> they claim this is not linked or anything like that. Apparently, after no. three games, they realised the style wasn't going to work out. It's nothing to do with the fact they sold their top scorer, obviously, because that would be no, you know, ridiculous. And they, they, as I said, they sold him to the team bottom of the table. I'm not sure where yeah. they were when they sold him, but... That's not a good idea. At least sell them to someone at the other end of the table. For goodness sake. That's crazy talk, really. It's really, really bad. Um, speaking of transfers, um, I don't know. Mr. Victor Gjokeris has been linked with a few clubs, apparently. So he might be working his way back up. Championships top scorer, playing in that cool retro kit that Coventry have got this year. The older T. Talbot kind of style one. Um, former Brian player, of course. He's doing well. He missed a penalty, actually, the other day, but still managed to get a goal. Um, he's doing well, so not not to him, really. But yeah, we've, got on, we've got a sell-on fee as well. Yeah, yeah so I bring it on. A lot of people are obsessing about why we didn't set, we didn't set, keep him on and why we, we kept Connolly on instead and blah, blah, blah. And, and all I will say is that he's got the same amount of goals this season as Tuba Akpom, so maybe we should re-sign him as well. <laughs> I love it. That's a great point. Yeah, he's been doing annoyingly well, hasn't he? Somehow, bizarrely, he's, he got a hat-trick, um, 
I think last week, and uh, he's been. I think he's, he's into double figures, isn't he, for goals now? Absolutely mad. I, I couldn't believe he scored one goal at Middlesbrough yeah. alone. He was absolutely seven, hopeless. The top six or seven in the championship. There's also that's it, Josh Sargent at Norwich, who was the one who who, who missed the open goal against us last yeah. season when yeah. he didn't hit it heavily enough. And it McBurney shows the chasm, doesn't it, between yeah. the divisions? And McBurney, yeah. who's done nothing in the Premier League when he's given a chance, there is, you know, it, it is. Yeah. You know, it's a huge gap, and Mopace outscored all of these people in the Championship, yeah. and yet people didn't rate him in Premier League. Yeah. No. Well, one one quick word on um, uh, well, a couple of loans. I think Jensen Weir's been doing really well. Um, he's been getting good re- reviews. But um, Cole Rushworth, the goalie who's on loan at Lincoln, I've got a mate who's a Lincoln fan. As hello to him if he's listening. Um, and he's very much um a big fan of his. He said really good shot stopper. I've got a good kick on him, good throw on him. Um, he, he's, positionally, he's good. It's just some decision-making elements and a little bit with his distribution, which he needs to work on. Um, but he's generally doing pretty well. And speaking of his distribution, I saw a game last week. And the throw that the guy's got on him is unbelievable. He threw the ball out from his, obviously, from penalty area. Um, and it went um, flying. It was like a, a driven shot that just went flying all the way. It would have gone over the far goal line if it had been unattended to but it was um it was an accurate throw it must have been about um I would say something like 80 meters um straight onto into the into the running path of one of his teammates and um, that created a dangerous chance um the guy's got that that, that in his locker I mean that's unfortunately something that's um Man City will probably like isn't it and <laughs> um, with Edison and all that but he, but he's he's looking good all of the vibes are very good about him I think he needs a bit more time on loan but he's a really good prospect for the well, future hopefully Logically, championship next season, and then you know, challenging the year after probably is kind of would be ideal. Yeah, but Peter, I know you've got to go. So just um, a couple of quick other final things to wrap up. I went to Bath for a random Thursday 3 p.m. kickoff. Where how often do you get to go to games like that? I had the day off. Decided to make my way over there. It was an entertaining tour draw. Worthing one nil up, then two one down with a wicked deflection actually to go two one down. It's horrendous. And got back with a last minute equaliser. It was a, a classic old ground, Twerton Park. Never been there before, so it's ground number 156 for me to tick off. It's a great old-fashioned ground with lots of staggered terracing at funny angles and uh, sloping pitch, and it's, it's a good old-sized ground. They have just over a 1,000 there, and there's about 60 of Worthing fans made it, which is pretty remarkable for a Thursday yeah. afternoon. Um, I know some people are still off work, but not everyone is. Um, but that was a good little, uh, good little trip. Um, it's my final one of the year because I'm not at the Arsenal game. I'm going to try and tick Salford off in the new year. Um, but we've had, we both had a good Christmas. We've met up since and we already know each other. We've had good Christmases. We hope all our other listeners have done as well. Um, happy new year to everyone as well. And of course, in the new year on the 6th of January is the, at least the, the published date anniversary for our first po- uh, podcast. Three years it'll be. Wow. Not bad, eh? It's going quickly. Scary, mm. isn't it? scary there we go. Little, um, just just before <laughs> yeah. we go a, a little nod to our uh friends friends down the friends up the road in uh croydon who made oh yes they had a good day didn't they history this this week by becoming the first premier league team ever to, uh, on record to fail to have a shot on target two games in a row and you... <laughs> i love it they did hit the bar so they got close but that doesn't and, count boys and all you know and the two teams were obviously huge as well they were playing Nottingham Forest away and Fulham home in those two games. Oh, so, I love know. it. I love it. We've just got our tickets for Palace, haven't we? And we'll be yeah. going along, hopefully, to laugh at them. Um, hopefully. Um, but they are, they're, they're struggling we now. They really are struggling. Them, surely. 
yeah, we should do this time. And they had two players sent off in the three 0 home defeat yeah. to Fulham. That was their latest result, um, which was marvellous to see. Neither of their not the most significant players. Well, Mitchell well, is Mitchell's fairly first choice. Players. Yeah, Mitchell's first mm. choice. But Tompkins had barely played, and he got two. Yeah, he got he second. Gray was out suspended for one game, so he would have been out anyway. On, but yeah, it's still entertaining to see. And they still yeah. haven't got a new contract for a certain uh, certain Zaha. So at the moment, he's leaving on a free end of the end of the season. Yeah, maybe we should snap him up. <laughs> and they're all, they're all turning on Vieira now. Suddenly, he's not the tactical genius he was last year. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh well, never mind. Them with a much better goal difference. What a shame. Yeah. It's lovely. Well, yeah, we're, we're really storming it now. Um, so that's a great note to end on. So that, and that, that will be the last podcast of this year. We'll get some match day specials in, I'm sure, in the new year. We, we might end up going to Worthing away on New Year's Day, but, or, or possibly elsewhere. So we might do something from there, possibly, Peter. But, um, in the meantime, thank you very, very much for listening for this year. It's been another great year football wise. We've, um, survived in style. And although we've lost Potter, and about half of the staff, and um, we've ended up getting a good replacement in. Things are looking on the up. Uh, disappointing with our League Cup runs ended, but I think things in general are looking on the up, aren't they, Peter? And maybe yep. a cup run in the new year would be good. Yep. Yeah, although I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get knocked out by Middlesbrough. Focus on the league instead, getting step top seven. Yeah, exactly. And Agpom, of course, will score the winner as well, needless to say. Um, so thanks again to everyone for listening. If you can and you haven't done already, please rate us if you can on Spotify, Apple or any of your other devices that allow such things. That would be great. You can also sponsor us via Patreon.com. So uh, check us out on there. It's Patreon.com forward slash uh, Brighton Rock Podcast. Um, we'd appreciate any help we can that could help us with equipment and whatever else. Um, and five star reviews are the main thing just to get us up the rankings. That would be great. Uh, until next time, Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. And happy new year, everyone. And lo and behold, no sooner have I signed off that episode with Peter that I've discovered and realised that I've left some things out, which we really need to cover in a bit of detail. So here goes. First of all, in regards to the Albion and Enoch Mwepu, who sadly had to leave us from his playing career due to a health issue, heart-related issue, um, the club have put out a statement um, just today, saying that we are delighted to announce that Enoch Mwepu will take up the role of under-9s coach in our academy in the new year. Men's first team head coach Roberto De Zerbi said, we're really happy that Enoch has decided to remain here at our club and use his experience to help develop our young players. Considering his age, Enoch has a wealth of experience. He has played in the Champions League and Premier League, as well as captaining his country. This is the next chapter for Enoch in his footballing career. Chief Executive and Deputy Chairman Paul Barber said, We're very keen to help Enoch with the next stage of his career, and we're delighted he's taken us up on the offer to join our academy coaching staff after an incredibly difficult time for him and his family following his diagnosis. Whenever we recruit a new member of staff, on or off the pitch, we want them to fit in with our club values, and Enoch absolutely encapsulates those perfectly. We're thrilled Enoch will continue to be part of our club, and believe that Enoch has a huge amount of potential as a coach. We want to give him the opportunity to flourish in this role. So it could be the means to an end with um, going up through the ages, perhaps, and coaching at... Um, into the longer term with Albion at other academy levels. That will be interesting to see.
And of course, we warmly wish him the very best for his new branch of his career, really. So let's let's see how he does. One other bit of news which I forgot to mention was regarding the appointment. It took a bit longer than they originally said, but the appointment of the new women's head coach, it is Jens Schuer. Um, he is, by all accounts, an excellent appointment. Yet again, a very Albion appointment in a good way. Um, the, um, the club website has done a profile on him saying that similar to the recruitment process for Roberto De Zerbi in the men's first team, Jens was the number one target for Albion when they began their search for Hope Powell's successor. Uh, the, the website says that Jens brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the top flight of the women's game, having previously coached at FC Bayern München Frauen, which is a women's team, of course, and SC Freiburg Frauen in the women's Bundesliga. But who is Schauer and what led him to become the new women's head coach at Albion, says the website. Well, born in Germany, Jens has been involved in the game from the, an early age. As a young centre-back, he began his playing career at Offenberger um, before moving to Barlinger and then later to FC Botzingen. Uh, in 2008, he began his coaching career as he transitioned into a player coach role at FC Botzingen in the 2008-09 season at the age of 30. He remained at the club for another two seasons before he returned to Baringer in 2010 to undertake a full-time coaching role. He then had a second spell at Botzingen as coach before he made the transition into the women's game where he signed a contract with SC Freiburg Frauen in the Bundesliga in 2015. He spent four years with them and achieved third place in the league in the 2017-18 season. This caught the eye of FC Bayern München Frauen, who were impressed with the job that he had done and appointed him as head coach in the 2019-20 season. He went on then to have a very successful three seasons in Munich before departing in May of this year. During his time... Um, he consistently finished in the top two in each league season and he led the squad to the German Championship itself in 2021. In the same year, he also pushed the team to reach the UEFA Women's Champions League semi-final against Chelsea. So pretty good credentials, an interesting appointment. Again, it's a bit out of left field, someone that we wouldn't perhaps have heard of or known much about, but who, once you've read about him, you think, wow, that sounds like a great appointment. So... Encouraging signs, that's really good to hear, and we wish him the very best of luck, as we do with Mwepu. Um, other news from the website, they were mentioning that Steve Sidwell is saying that Brighton are finding a new level under Deserby. That's uh, an interesting article worth reading on there. They also report that Ruari McConville has signed a new contract. He's in one of the age groups with the Albion, um, namely as an under-21. Um, he's a defender. He signed a new contract that runs until June 2025. So congratulations and best of luck to him as well. And last but very much not least is the sad news of the passing of one of the absolute greats of sport. Pretty much undisputedly uh, one of the two, if not the best players of all time in the game of football, Pelé. Edson Arantes do Nascimento, to give you his full name. He was born into a, a tough, poverty-stricken background, made his way up and made his name in the game. With over a 1,000 goals, more than 1,200 goals reportedly, officially 780, I think it is, but a lot more than that besides, which weren't registered uh, in official channels. But he was a prolific scorer. 
Um, for a five foot seven guy, he was pretty good with his head as well. He scored a huge number of goals, 350, I think it was, with his head. So he was a pretty good player all round. By all accounts, brilliant with both feet. He had pace. He had a, a, a impenetrable, striking, direct style of football. He could pull off all sorts of tricks. He had an amazing array of talents uh, on display throughout his career. He won the three World Cups, which was not done at the time. He was the first to do it and with Brazil in 1958, 62, and then later in 70 before retiring. Injuries took away two other World Cups that he would have been involved in, which is a great shame for him. But he was, without doubt, the absolute great Brazil's greatest player, probably the world's greatest ever player. And in a time when Messi has certainly caught up with Maradona in the debate over the Argentinians' greatest ever, and therefore the world's greatest ever, I think Pelé still edges it, really. Uh, a truly remarkable talent, a great ambassador for the game. He did a lot of fundraising, which was highly impressive. And he was just a great figure. He transcended football. He brought representation, black people, black footballers. Ian Wright has gone on record as saying that it was a great impression for him to see a black footballer who everybody loved and everybody adored in the game. That was a great inspiration for him growing up. Um, the Brazilian FA have released a statement saying Pelé's death is the saddest news reported by CBF, which is the Brazilian FA, since its founding 108 years ago. The organisation's president, Ednaldo Rodriguez, declared the official mourning for seven days in Brazil, which has started today, the day after his death, which is now the 30th of September. He died on the 29th. And there will be, yeah, seven days of mourning. There are huge uh, tributes being put up on major landmarks all over Brazil. The number of uh, messages that have come in from around the world in adoration and full respect for the player are overwhelming. Everybody from your Mbappes and your Messis and your Ronaldos and your Modric's and your Gary Lineker's through to all of the greats from the older era. So Bobby Charlton, one of the only surviving World Cup winners for England in 1966, has given a great tribute. Many others besides as well. And it's a, just a measure of the man that really it's been back-to-back -back coverage of his death on sports channels and to a decent degree in major news channels uh, for the last 24 hours as I record this message. Um, well, we'll talk about him a lot more in the next episode probably, I would imagine. Um, all I will say, just leave you with a couple more messages. Pele's own Instagram account, which is obviously being managed by someone else now, says inspiration and love marked the journey of King Pele, who peacefully passed away. Um, it says he enchanted the world with genius in sport, stopped war, carried out social work and spread what he most believed to be the cure for all our problems, love. So Jeff Hurst, another of the greats of England, we mentioned uh, Sir Bobby Charlton. Well, Jeff Hurst has said, I have so many memories of Pele, without doubt the best footballer I played against. Famously, another great England player, Bobby Moore, said that uh, he was... He was the greatest, and he said he was an inc incredible talent. They had a great relationship, the two of them, um, as they uh, interacted during, most famously, the 1970 uh, World Cup tournament, where England lost narrowly to Brazil in a great game, a truly great game. And it was a battle of wits between one of the greatest defenders of all time and 
probably the greatest attacker of all time. Um, going back to Sir Jeff Hurst, he also said, for me, Pele remains the greatest of all time. I was proud to be on the pitch with him. And um, Sir Bobby Charlton's quote, by the way, it said, Pele was a truly magical footballer and a wonderful human being. Dennis Law has said he had style, grace, flair, and made everything look easy. Precision made him a joy to watch. However, more than anything, he was a good man with a great presence and a fantastic smile. Gary Lineker, we mentioned earlier, he said he may have left us, but he was all, but he will always have footballing immortality. Most divine of footballers, joyous of men, he played the game only a fusion, few chosen ones came close to. And finally from the quotes, the FA, the English FA, have said that everyone who loves football loves Pele. His unique talent lit up the game and inspired the world. And uh, actually there's a nice, a nice message from the FA of Wales. Um, Brazil beat Wales, I believe, in the quarterfinals of 1958 in Pele's first, on the way to Pele's first World Cup triumph. And the FA of Wales said, Pele broke our hearts in 1958 to knock Cymru out. Today, our hearts are broken again. And these messages, these kind of messages are just streaming through in enormous numbers. Erling Haaland, may, I haven't got his quote to hand, but he said something along the lines of, anything any footballer does that's remarkable today, Pele did it first. And that really is a, a great summary. In a, in a nation that has an extraordinary array of talent through the years, the likes of Gorincha and Jairzinho and Zico, Socrates, and in the modern day you've got your Neymars and you've got your uh, Ronaldos, uh, the Brazilian one. But you've, you've only got one Pele. He was referred to generally as the king. And that's the way I'm going to leave this podcast by saying uh, thank you for all you've done for football, Pele. And King Pele, rest in peace. So to sign off again, until the next time, stand or fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.